Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I will always say that to sign for the WWE would be a special day. It's what most young wrestlers dream of doing, and if you do get there, hell yeah, you should be proud as punch. Sadly, even if you do make it to the big time, you can't always have the run you've been hoping for since you were a fetus. So here's 10 wrestlers that visibly hated working for WWE. Let's go. Number 10, EC3. You cannot blame Ethan Carter III for this one. WWE never gave him a chance. It was all well and good when he was in NXT as he was allowed to show off his character work and promos. But it was for that reason everybody thought he should be moved to Raw or SmackDown because surely he'd fit in better still. He was born and bred for sports entertainment. Instead, when he did make the jump, he was essentially used as cannon fodder for departing Dean Ambrose before being told from now on he was going to be the 2019 narcissist. Just go flex in a mirror. By the time he was fighting for the 24-7 title and being murdered by Braun Strowman, you could just see it on his face. He wasn't having fun. And who could blame him? There wasn't any fun to speak of like a birthday party without a cake. Number nine, Tucker. Tucker seemed to be legitimately ticked off after he was split from Otis and then not given any follow-up, and today, we know that all of this was correct. In an interview following his release, the heavy machinery man admitted all of it was rushed, and nobody even told him what was really going on. Kind of mad when you think about it. The sheer shift in emotions was really upsetting too. Otis and Tucker were over the moon in January 2019 when they got their first win on Raw, and then by April 2021, the man just looked miserable. Probably because he was trying to figure out what the hell happened. You and me both, my friend, you and me both. After the split, he was only sporadically used and lost to wrestlers that never won. And worse still, we never found out why he turned his back on his best friend and cost him the money in the bank briefcase. So it's gone the way of GTV. It was just bad, to be honest. And whereas us fans can just shake it off, poor Tucker had to take it and then lost his job because of it quite the pill to swallow. Number 8, Paul Heyman. The Paul Heyman-Vince McMahon relationship is a weird one. At times they're thick as thieves, at others they want to kill each other. It's why Heyman left in the mid-2000s. His rows with the boss was so bad, both knew that this wasn't going to work. The end point to this rage was at December to December 2006, an ECWWE pay-per-view so bad, I implore you to never watch it. You would get more out of just throwing a potato in the air and trying to catch it in your mouth. A very apt shot 
of Heyman facepalming, though, summed this up perfectly. He and McMahon had disagreed once more on how the Elimination Chamber main event should go, leaving the end result to just be a mess. It was to be Paul's last hurrah in the WWE until the return of Brock Lesnar, but you could see he was done. Thankfully, now they have found a way to coexist. Otherwise, yeah, they may very well have murdered each other. And I don't want to see that on TV. Number seven, Ronda Rousey. You cannot argue it. Ronda Rousey's debut year in WWE was pretty damn good. Sure, she got the superstar treatment, but the former USC champion adapted to the ring like a fish to water, which never makes any sense. A fish is born in the water. Let's just move on. Come Survivor Series 2018, though, the tide had turned. The WWE Universe had chosen Becky Lynch as their hero, so anybody else that wasn't called Becky Lynch could go to hell. As you already know, Ronda Rousey wasn't among this group. Therefore, as she laid into Charlotte Flair, Rousey was mercifully booed and there was no hiding it. Her face told the story of a woman's scorn. She did not appreciate this reaction. It became so vicious, WWE had to make this part of her character, and really, Rousey did nothing to attract such a reaction. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is a modern-day fan, though. You just never know what they're going to do, so you've got to be prepared for all the outcomes. Number six, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is often mentioned. He didn't like portraying the Stardust character towards the end because he had asked management to adopt another role as just himself and been teased that this would be fine. Then it never happened. That is frustrating. This always surprises me every time I hear it, though, because he was just so damn good at it. I would have assumed Cody was having the time of his life. On occasion, this did creep out on TV when he had the opportunity to do so, much as it did on an online promo following Raw. Talking to future wife Brandy, Rhodes went nuts at the stars of yesteryear who he thought needed to go away so the new generation could shine. This, of course, was to fuel his feud with Brother Goldust going forward, but still, his criticisms were kind of valid. Given that Cody would leave soon after and change the wrestling world, kind of makes you think WWE should have listened it really was their loss. Number five, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is far more passionate about WWE than many would have you believe. Sure, he puts money first, but you can't have that many good matches if you hate what you do. It is basically impossible. This is also why he threw a tantrum after WrestleMania 34. His match with Roman Reigns had become a controversial cooking pot anyway, as WWE tried to outthink the fans who just wanted Roman to be presented in another way. But hoping to shock them, the Beast was penciled in to beat the big dog. And no, this didn't work. The audience still crapped all over the main event because they were frustrated, leaving Brock to march backstage and hurl the Universal title at Vince McMahon. Yep, imagine anyone else doing that. Now, there's every chance this was the plan to get people talking, but if so, Lesnar and Vince deserve an Oscar. Brock seemed legitimately pissed, and McMahon was horrified by this. And even if it was a work too, good. That is what wrestling is meant to do, trick you. I never understand why people get upset about this stuff. It's literally the reason we watch. Number four, Goldberg. This was classic WWE madness. Despite Goldberg being one of the biggest wrestling stars ever for what he did in WCW, Vince McMahon decided he knew better, so booked Bill to do the complete opposite when he debuted in 2003. He had to wear a gold wig and a backstage skip with Goldust and work long matches, which everybody knew wasn't his forte. I get needing to appeal to your audience, but Goldberg transcended all of that. Any fans just wanted to see him wreck guys for a few months, 
go away, come back, and then wreck a few more guys. We couldn't possibly allow a WCW champion to be so dominant, though, which just wore Goldberg out. Before the end of the first year, he was clearly fed up, which was made worse because the office was fed up too, so this was just sadness all around. It's why in 2004, some people predicted that Bill would never come back to the WWE, but we know how that goes. Time heals all wounds in wrestling, and surprise, surprise, when he did return in 2016 and was allowed to be this bulldozing monster, everybody loved him. Well, smack my mouth and call me Annie. Number three, Brock Lesnar part two. Years before he did return and when he was WWE's top guy, Brock Lesnar threw a tantrum in the ring. It was WrestleMania 20 and word had leaked that the next big thing was taking off for good and the New York fan base was not happy about that at all. Throw in that they also knew that Goldberg was going and that these monsters were fighting this was just bad. Madison Square Garden booed the hell out of this pair and it got so bad Lesnar took his hands and flipped off the entire crowd. I don't think he was doing it in character. The whole match is a bust too as both guys decided they can't be bothered. If it wasn't for Stone Cold Steve Austin being the special guest referee, there would be no redeeming features to this. Word is even Shane McMahon was in the crowd jeering along. That doesn't sound like the best idea. It would kind of help Brock in 2012 when he did come back as he made this flub you attitude part of his persona, but at the time... This was an absolute nightmare. Number two, Gail Kim. Gail Kim is one of the best women wrestlers ever, and WWE had no clue. It didn't help that she was in and around the company when it just wasn't interested in allowing their female talent to wrestle, and that is mind-boggling. It's like owning the Mona Lisa and keeping it in the basement. Aside from it showing on Gail's face in 2011, she took matters into her own hands. Already booked in a kind of ridiculous battle royal, Gail waited for the bell to ring and then just eliminated herself she was not having any of it. She also no-sold a shot from Nikki Bella and seemed to tell Natalia what she's about to do, and then she does it. Talk about being done. Unsurprisingly, two months later, Kim was back in TNA having proper wrestling matches and smashing it, and it would be years before WWE realized what they should have done in the first place. Number one, Demolition X. We all know that Demolition were just WWE's answer to the Road Warriors, but who cares? It worked, Axe and Smash were great. Sometimes taking inspiration from others can be exactly the right move. This was mostly as Bill Eady and Barry Darcer were so good in their roles and making you feel like they could kick anybody's ass, they were a decent team. Unfortunately for them, they weren't Hawk and Animal, so as soon as Vince McMahon had the now Legion of Doom, well, he started to put them over. This then got worse due to Eady's run of injuries who decided he wasn't going to have any of it. He felt thrown to the wayside when there was no need, especially after all these years of service. It meant during his last appearance for the company at the Survivor Series, not only did he take the pin, but he made sure everybody knew he didn't give a shit. Because he basically stood up and walked off after this as if he'd just gone down the coffee shop with his name. And that's probably why we haven't seen much of him in WWE ever since. Maybe there's a little bit of bad blood.